Hey everybody, welcome back to Not Enough Bones, a gaming podcast about too many bones and everything else Chip Theory Games has cooking. My name is John and with me today is my co-host David. Hey everybody, welcome back to Not Enough Bones. John, I am excited to be here again with you doing our thing. I know, I'm really excited David. We got ahead of the game and recorded a couple episodes early that have been releasing, hoping all of you guys are enjoying those. I actually went on vacation. So now we're coming back and getting a chance to record again. I'm excited to be uh, back. Been playing a handful of different games recently. There's some cool new news in the Chip Theory Games universe. So I think we've got a good episode today. Uh, Why don't don't you tell the people what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, so we're going to be giving you guys a component breakdown. And I think, you know, I don't want to bury the lead, but... You know, you, you come for the, it's like, it's like that meme with like the boyfriend and the girlfriend and he like <laughs> turns his head, you know what I'm talking about? It's the angry oh, yeah. girlfriend and he's like mm-hmm. looking or whatever. So it's like all my other games and then you see the components walk by, but then you find out that Chip Theory Games, Too Many Bones actually has a great personality too. Right? Not only is it a looker, but it's a, what do you call it's it? It's a player? I don't know. We'll have well, to think of something for that. We'll have to think of something <laughs> later. But anyways, so John, what have you been up to? What have, what have you been playing? I have um, been playing. I've gotten a game, uh, a play of this game twice. And I actually, I think you would really like it, David. Uh, it is a miniaturized roll and write version of a very, very epic 4X space game called Twilight Imperium. Mm-hmm. So the game I've been playing is Twilight Inscription. Um, I actually had my brother-in-law teach this to me a couple weeks ago. I went out and bought a copy. I really enjoyed it. Played it um, last night with some uh, good friends of mine, Matthew and Brady, and um, really enjoyed it as well. Uh, It's a very thematic and kind of overwhelming uh, roll and write if you're used roll and writes are usually like pretty simple like ganshan clever or like quicks or some other games like that where they're usually pretty quick speedy games uh, but twilight inscription is a beast of a game there are four different like big laminated sheets that you're using there's a bunch of different iconography and all that but um, really been enjoying how this game feels like twilight imperium but really you can play it in an we played with three people probably a little over an hour. I think if everyone had played it before, you could get that down to 30, 45 minutes, to be honest, just because it is all simultaneous. So really enjoyed that one. Um, and then I also got a play of Lords of Ragnarok in, uh, which was a new Kickstarter that came in from Awakened Realms uh, a couple of weeks ago. Finally got that played. And I think it improves on everything uh, that Lords of Hellas had Um and makes it just better so those are kind of like the two big games i've also been joining you on your kind of spirit island journey uh, i mm-hmm. broke that out and got a couple plays in um no too many bones uh, in the past couple weeks but um looking forward to my unbreakable stuff hopefully shipping soon my pre-orders i know there's been a lot of stuff going on with the uh cog books i think they were uh, whatever mm-hmm. the special books they did with unbreakable have been holding up a lot of things and they're not shipping the pre-orders till everything's done so um it's probably been a logistical nightmare over uh, chip theory games um but they'll get it sorted i know uh, and i've got plenty of content to play through while i'm waiting but uh, what about you yeah um well i, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions so first oh yeah of all, sorry i've i've heard a few like i guess um mixed things about lords mm-hmm. of ragnarok like it improves in some things but then like other things like maybe not as much but you're saying like it just improves on it every single way i yeah sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna ask so my main my main frustration with lords of hellas mm-hmm. was that um 
like I guess the monster strategy was yeah. maybe just like and it's two things. The monster strategy was maybe like the easiest to go for, or like yep. let's say you kill like you did you did damage four fifths damage to a monster. Mm-hmm. And you just couldn't quite land that final blow. Someone else comes in, and just yoink, and you yep. know they they and they get the reward for it. So that was one thing. And then the other thing um, was like the, I guess like the god statues or yeah. whatever you, you you call them in the game. We only ever built up like at most like up to a torso. Most of the time, mm-hmm. you were just seeing the god's legs. Maybe there are like thighs, but that's it. <laughs> um, do you get more building yeah. up in Lord so, of the Rings? So two. To, to address those on the monster part, uh, they've done two things I think that really help make that still a viable strategy, but also a less feels bad. So now, if somebody kills a monster, if you had dealt four or more wounds to it, even if you're not the player that kills it, you also get credit for killing a monster. So they have these tokens that you gain uh, okay. to count as getting credit. And they've actually changed the victory condition um, to it's no longer killing three monsters. Uh, one of the victory conditions is killing the boss is what they call it. So there's a big Loki miniature in the base game that's kind of moving around the map, has some variant effects, kind of like a super powerful monster. In order to fight Loki, you have to have already killed two monsters. So it's kind of the same idea of kill three, but the third one is kind of a super powered one. You have to take out all in one combat um, and each of his wound slots require two like damage symbols. So I definitely think they addressed the um, monster strategy just being overpowered. Um, But they also made it so that building the monuments was pretty advantageous for you. And it was honestly a beneficial thing to do because it really helped with getting your priests and getting those that helped you bump your stats up. But just the general feel of the game where you didn't feel like you were losing too much by not just pursuing like the monster strategy um, because the game actually had a different end game trigger kind of system Um, so there were different victory conditions but there was also uh, what they called the ragnarok prerequisites so there were five conditions that as soon as three of them were met the game would go into a final turn and then the game would end with like a majority around the center of the board and all those um, prerequisites are like having two monsters killed or having five temples, but they're all things that kind of progress towards the other victory conditions. Um, But one of them was having a monument fully built. Um, So I actually ended up winning by on my turn, building a monument, which is when it checks for those conditions and then got the third one to go. And then I get to be last player uh, or I have the last turn of the game. And I was able to use that to then secure the area majority around. So, I felt there were some better things around how turn order worked. There was a fun little drafting mechanism at the beginning to get your player power and your starting locations. And um, I thought it was overall just in, like, I wouldn't want to go play Lords of Hellas now that I've played Lords of Ragnarok outside of like, I like the theme too. I like Greek stuff just as much as like Norse mythology. So yeah, that would be my one argument, but I think you could, probably convert a lot of this stuff over. I'm sure people on BGG are already thinking of how can I take my Lords of Hellas heroes and or monsters and convert them over to this other okay, game. Okay, yeah, that makes that makes sense. And then so then the other question I had regarding Twilight Inscription. Yeah. Um is can you uh can you build a war sun and if you build a war sun, can you use it against your opponents or no? Yeah. So you can build oh, up to sick. two war all right. a game. That's all I care. That's all I yeah. care about. Other and than that, I, honestly, I would take all of Twilight Imperium. I would take out the war sons, and I would throw the rest of the game into the trash. That's what I would do. 
Um, so anybody listening, I am not a TI4 fan. A game is too long for like it just the yeah. downtime is unbearable for me. So it sounds like this rolling right plays you get up a to eight. Taste of it plays up to eight people, David. You could get the full Twilight. Do Imperium I want to play? <laughs> Do I want to play at eight people? So That's the fact the that it's simultaneous, though, since it's a rolling right, everyone really is moving at the same speed on their turn. Right, all the actions are happening at the same time. So the basic okay. structure is you flip over an event card. That event card either gives you like die pips effectively that everyone gets to spend, or it triggers like a trade phase or a resource phase or an agenda phase. And then after that, you roll the dice and everyone resolves them on their given sheet. So obviously if people were, you know, heavily AP, the game could drag out a little bit longer, but I don't see that time would increase too much with player count. Cause for the combat phase, you only pl- fight the player to your left and to your right. So the combat gets resolved mm. pretty simply. So I think you would enjoy it. Gotcha. I think it'd be fun oh, okay. at four or five yeah. even um to play so yeah i mean i would i would be more than happy to give it a shot anything that maybe gives me a little like in in, in concept yep. i like ti4 but like the actual practical outlay of it absolutely i think it just i feels like i've wasted it a is day of my life very very long and back. matthew's big complaint was you know you spend three or four hours investing into something only to have it crushed and then you know that you need to spend another three or four hours before the game's over um and you know he yeah. had a pretty tough go in this one where we um passed an agenda that really only hurt him and didn't hurt brady or myself right towards the end of the game that lost him eight points which is yeah he got you know 67 i had 68 brady had 79 so it's you know about a tenth of your score so he wasn't loving that part of it but at the same time he was like oh we only play for 45 minutes you know an hour it wasn't like it was the end of the world so yeah exactly it wasn't a huge investment in time lost there so that's good yeah yeah as far as like what i've been playing recently i mean you talked about it but like you know it's spirit island i just have like a love-hate <laughs> relationship with that game and it was like for a while there and i think what the the issue was is i was approaching it the okay. wrong way and i don't want to spend you know this is the not right. enough bones podcast so i don't want to spend too long about it. but long story short I like read on BGG. They're like, you know, people are like, if you're going to solo this game, you might as well do it two handed. Well, guess what? I am too smooth brain for that. <laughs> and I didn't. And I was trying to be more wrinkly than I am. And so I, I was two handing it. And I was like forgetting powers and like forgetting right. rules. And just I was like, this is too much. I can't. And so I was like, all right, Spirit Island is sitting over there. I'm either going to play this or I'm going to sell right. it. And so I decided to follow your advice and just do solo spirit. That's it. And just try. So I have all of base and branch and claw mm-hmm. and i've played four spirits now all solo uh each game's taken me about 20 minutes not i mean and so right now i'm i'm really loving it i'm yeah. really enjoying spirit island i think a lot of people that play um play too many bones also probably are spirit island fans because a lot of people are just playing solo you know too many bones mm-hmm. or solo spirit island obviously two very different experiences but uh I, it's having like a little bit of renaissance in my mind and now i'm like well great i think once I'm through with this and like going through all the spirits and like upping the difficulty, I'm asking, do I have to go hunt down jagged earth and then hunt down nature incarnate? Um, cause yeah, it, it, but I'm really, really enjoying it. So you've got jagged earth. So you've got like events and stuff in the game, right? With jagged earth that, okay. Yeah. yeah, I have, Oh, I don't have jagged earth, but I have, uh, I'm sorry. I have branch and and I have base, which has some events in it. So yeah. So I think, you're at a great spot and you're approaching it the right way. Just like a game like Too Many Bones where there's so much content for it, I think the completionist or the gamer and a lot of us wants to go buy all of it immediately and then you just have this overwhelming... Like, if I was new to Too Many Bones and I bought a full trove chest of stuff 
I wouldn't know where to start. Spirit Island is very yeah. similar in the fact that there's a lot going on, a lot of asymmetry, um, all founded around a same kind of structure to the game. Like too many bones, you may play different gear locks, but they are, you know, you're going to be playing in the same kind of environment. Um, so you're approaching it in a good way. And I'm glad it's had a bit of a renaissance because I think it's a fantastic game. Um, and I've been enjoying it more and more as I've played and noting how short the playtime is compared to what I actually think, especially if you can leave it set up and just kind of swap in a new spirit, swap in a new board yep. and yep. just reset and go from there. So yep, love yep. it. Abs- yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, so real quick that, uh, been playing dead reckoning. I think I'm going to sell it. It's just not, Oh, David, I know it was like a, like a fan favorite for a lot of people when it came out a year or two yeah. ago. Uh, I'm just gonna be honest with everybody. It's just not, there's just no tension in the game for a game. That's like about pirates. It's just like, it, it just meanders. Like at times there's exciting points of like battle and things, okay. but like the area control isn't very good. You're just pushing cubes off each other. The game takes too long. People aren't invested in each other's, each other's turns. Um, my buddy, Jonathan, which, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he loves the game loves it and i'm just like oh great i i can't quite get rid of you it you can send it to it. sell so, to him I, well i could and uh but you know you, we have to sell you it take a loss price. that's for sure you <laughs> yeah, could sell to matthew or did he already one. buy a new copy he already oh. bought it sadly so there we go but uh it's i mean hey it's it's a sandbox game exactly you, know, you can do kind of whatever you want so that's matthew loves it and then lastly just touch on uh summoner wars i've been playing a couple of games like uh, of that with uh my wife okay. sam Really loving Summoner Wars. Lots of a diverse asymmetry okay. in that one. Basically, just like a miniatures game reduced down to a miniature skirmish game reduced down to cards that you can play in about okay. 30 to 45 minutes. And so uh, I'm really excited about that and the new set that's going to be coming out. So that that's what's been hitting it. our table. And uh, yeah. Oh, and I did finish up. I did finish up that, that game of um, that campaign. Yeah, tell me about campaign. it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it was great. It's a good way to, like you said, develop your gear lock and like actually see their powers develop throughout. Um, you know, oftentimes if you play like a short little, uh, just like a one tyrant, mm-hmm. um, like not campaign, but like a one tyrant game, uh, you don't quite get to see like how your gear lock really works and like can be right. put to the test in different situations. Uh, so this was a good way. I I didn't really love. Um, Gosh, what's the the the, the Nexus? Okay. I didn't really like Nexus from Unbreakable. Like, I'll have to see. I don't know. It it seemed he was okay. It, I mean, it wasn't my favorite um, okay. tyrant that I've faced, but I had a lot of fun. Was he the final um, tyrant? He okay. was the final. Yeah, he was. He was. The I remember final looking boss. at his card when I visited, and he looked. He had like every baddie type and a bunch of other stuff. Right? Am I crazy? Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Polaris is like insanely strong. Uh, so. Yeah, fun. She 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 was a lot of fun okay. to to work with. But uh, yeah, so that was good, and uh, that's what hit my table. Finished up that um, that campaign, and I'm looking forward to. I think I'm gonna try uh, stanza okay. next. Okay, try stanza, and um, oh gosh, what's the time lord? What's uh, his name? Figment. Figment. Yep. Yeah, so I think I'm gonna try to do stanza Figment nice. next. So this might be a little too big brain, but it. we'll see. Well, David, we had some exciting news this past week uh, within the Chip Theory Games kind of universe. Um, they finally announced. Um, they've kind of danced around it a little bit, but the new expansions for Hoplomachus. So I'm going to let you know we've got Hoplomachus Pandora's box expansion. So yeah, there man. are How three cool. new expansion boxes for Hoplomachus Victorum and Remastered. And you have a Victorum focused expansion that's going to have new scions, events, arena mechanics, um, kind of a uh, new Mercury's boots, they're calling it. It's aka Quick Torum. 
I don't know if you saw that. So it's play a Victorum campaign in one sitting with this new and slightly faster variant or significantly faster variant. So I'm excited for that because Hoplomachus is a very fun game, but it is extremely long to get through that campaign. Um, so really excited for that. They have Pandora's Wake, which is a Hoplomachus remastered expansion. And then they have kind of a crossover set that's going to have some additional heroes um, for both Hoplomachus remastered and Victorum. So very excited uh, for that expansion it is going to be on game found and i believe that it's just a preview right now so i don't know if they've announced when it is coming um but yeah i'm really excited for that i i, I like hoplomachus i like the mechanisms it is just i think i can get it down to like four sure. hours um so like each act maybe take me about an hour to get through um the last like the best part of Hoplomachus Victorum is the Scion yeah. battle like without a doubt that is the best part of which the I've not game. even gotten to and it just, it's just <laughs> yeah oh, I've done two acts Dang. in mine and it's been put up since then I just haven't gotten back to it but <laughs> well yeah maybe by the next uh episode you should uh try to I'll make get an that effort to do that because like it, yeah in, in, in all sincerity like that is the best part and it's a shame that the way it's currently designed, it just takes sure. forever to get to like the best part of the game. So I think to address that, I think that'd be great. Someone had suggested on BGG um, to struct do like a three act structure mm-hmm. where by the end of Act One you face a Primus, which is yeah. like another hero that's a playable. Then if they could in a expansion come out with some kind of like mid level yeah. boss, so it's like Act One fight a Primus, Act Two mid level boss, and then Act Three. Yeah fight the scion hmm. so it feels like there's an actual sense of progression um because you know it's just it felt it can feel a little sure. repetitive so maybe quick torum along with some other expansions will help address that and like the box cover like the art right now is oh, super yeah. cool it's like pandora with like a sword like yeah and you know the whole theme around pandora's box and like the myth behind that is yeah. a lot of fun so it, i'm sure there's some really fun and revamping each of that. the eight arenas too i'm sure there have some shenanigans with pandora kind of letting some things out to kind of mess up how the different combat arenas are going to work um, so yeah. i'm excited to see how that's going to play out um, throughout so we'll stick to yeah. this uh um game found or, or crowdfunding program as uh continues to go through and uh we'll keep you updated yeah, we'll let you guys know when exactly. you can spend when your you money. Exactly, when you can break out that credit card for Chip Theory Games. But Hoplomachus is not the game we're here to talk about today. Uh, we're almost you know, 20 minutes into the episode and haven't really talked about too many bones. So um, for the people that have uh, graciously sat through that, thank you. Hopefully my voice sounds a little bit better too. I will mention we finally got a, a cord so I could plug my uh, nice podcast mic into... Yeah, we got my man a proper um, mic. Yeah. My computer. So hopefully you guys uh, thankfully endured the two episodes with... Uh, squeaky headset john but we're uh we're back in professional now but yeah now we got smooth <laughs> there we go tone. i did have a radio john, show we, um in college for four years I, I was a dj oh really so fun fact oh, tr- what was your uh, dj name i think i was just dj b i think was what i did i kind of did a playoff because my last name is Bissett, so i was like dj b i can't remember I got it's you. Been a I while. see what you're saying. Well, we're gonna have. To, it's been a while, but we'll, we'll have to. We're gonna there bring we go. back DJB. We're gonna we're gonna but, bring him back um, today. We are going to be doing kind of a breakdown or overview of all the different things that you may need to know about the Too Many Bones universe, as well as um, you know, kind of inside the game and outside the game. So, um, let's talk a little bit first, David, about the various components you may find. And I think you've gone on a fun little journey uh, as we've been preparing for this episode about one of Chip Theory Games' favorite uh, materials we shall say, and that's neoprene. So to start with 
kind of the biggest thing uh, in the Chip Theory Games kind of collection is most of their games have quite a lot of neoprene. Um, so in Too Many Bones, you'll have a neoprene gear lock mat. You'll have a neoprene battle mat, adventure mat if you've got that. Um, David, tell the people what is neoprene and why should they be excited to play with it? Listen, it's... <laughs> It's perfect for playing in your bathtub. Are you kidding me right now? Look, neoprene is great. Have you ever gone surfing? And uh, if you've gone surfing, especially around the wintertime, it's freezing cold. <laughs> and what do you put on? You put on a wetsuit. And why do you put on a wetsuit? It's to keep you warm. And you know what that wetsuit's made out of? Neoprene. Neoprene. There we go. That means that it's very possible that you could ask someone to custom make you a wetsuit that's just all the gear lock mats that have been oh stitched together goodness. so that you can out there looking like a Frankenstein surfer, <laughs> and it would be great. <laughs> so neoprene, um, according to Wikipedia, is a family of synthetic rubbers that are produced by polymerization of chloroprene, and um, it was invented April 17th, 1930 by uh, Dr. Elmer K. Bolton. Uh, so they had, I guess it's a DuPont scientist, which if anybody knows, DuPont is like one of the largest yep. chemical companies, I think, in North America. And um, it basically, just they had discovered this material that was like very durable, very stretchy. And they're like, oh, we could probably do something with this. And um, the initial problem with neoprene is that it smelled really, really bad. So it was kind of like hard to market because mm -hmm. it's like, like, yeah, this is great, but I please put this throw this <laughs> outside or something like that because i don't want this to, like imagine if you just opened up your too many bones box and like you know set of new games you had, game smell, you had ugly neoprene smell yeah that's right and so they found a way to um uh, get rid of that odor and finally market it the issue though for them was that they were having a hard time like selling the neoprene or like marketing it for other people. And so what they decided to do was like turn it, the patent into like basically an ingredient so that that way other people can then take the neoprene and then turn it okay. into an end product themselves. And so, yeah, that was in 1930. Look, if it wasn't for these DuPont scientists and uh, they had actually bought the patent off of uh, somebody else from, um, I guess who was like working on it from the university of Notre okay. Dame. So, uh, go fighting yes, Irish. You got it. Right? Yeah, go fight it. Go fighting Irish. So yeah, that's uh, who we have to thank for that neoprene goodness. Do you want to know, John, what the increase of neoprene's market share is going to be in the next four years? I do not know what that is. Four point four percent. So listen, guys, if you've got money to spend, now's the invest. time to cash in on invest on invest in neoprene. Invest in the future. <laughs> Yes, well, neoprene is in pretty much everything that uh, Chip Theory Games has. If you play too many bones, you will come to love it. Um, honestly, David, my favorite part about neoprene, it doesn't slide anywhere. It sits on yeah. your table and it sits there flat. And as you're rolling dice, you're not bumping things around. As you're moving chips around, you're not bumping things around. Um, that is absolutely my favorite part of neoprene. I think it is not just functional, uh, but it also looks nice too. Well, I just think what's really funny is like, you know, on every Kickstarter, what's like the add-on? Right, a neoprene play The mat. neoprene mat. Chip Theory Games just like, what, what if instead of an add-on, we just made it right. the whole game? And that's what they did. So yeah, you're going to find some neoprene mats. Uh, that's uh, all kinds of... Uh, and like in the old version, the OG, so for you, I'm sure there's people who are listening and they're like, back mm -hmm. in my day, we didn't have stitched neoprene mats. Well, guess what? Now we do. You know why? Because Chip Theory Games loves oh, yeah. us back. And so now all the mats are stitched, look beautiful. And then, uh, so then after neoprene, 
Uh, what do we got, John? Tell yeah, us. Yeah. Uh, so next component. the other thing that you'll be using um, often at the start of every day will be uh, cards. Now, oftentimes, a regular set of playing cards or things like that might show wear and tear over the years. They might get bent or creased or marked, um, and this might ruin your play experience. They're difficult to shuffle. They get kind of grimy. If it's humid out, you bet you can't play because they're going to get all sticky. Um, so Chip Theory Games has solved right. this by every reference book, every playing card that you're using throughout the game is made of PVC plastic. So... All of the cards in Chip Theory games uh, games are also waterproof because they're actually made of plastic and not paper or any other material. So um, just for the little history lesson here, because you threw that in on your neoprene, PVC was synthesized in 1872 by a German scientist named Eugene Baumann. Now, I think they have to fit the name Eugene into something that they do because of how much PVC they incorporate into their games. Um, but it was... Uh, <laughs> stands for polyvinyl chloride. So uh, it's basically a fancy plastic. If you've heard of PVC pipe, which is used in a lot of plumbing, that's obviously a thicker version of the thin uh, PVC uh, sheets that are used for these cards. Um, but I just loved how crisp it is to shuffle any mm -hmm. set of cards there. They yeah. can be a little slippery, I will say, to the untrained hands. Mm -hmm. I have more than a few times yeah, right. shuffled my loot cards and sent them flying around my floor. Um, but all of the cards, all the reference sheets are made of this very durable plastic, which in my mind is so helpful for um, just being able to know that if you knock your drink over, you could literally go over to the sink and wash these things right off. Um, they're easy to shuffle. You can't really yeah. bend, rip, tear, break them. And when you're investing in this much money into a game, it's nice to know that all the components are durable and high quality. Yeah, I, I think like one of the first things that I remember... Uh, the, like the too many bones experience when I first got it was like opening up the box and then like getting the deck and then when you open the the box of the mm -hmm. uh, encounter cards and loot cards just like oh yeah like yeah, there's like a smell there's like a, a very yep. distinct smell um, to these PVC cards and specifically from too many bones uh, so yeah I'd, I'd, I've many times like come up to Sam like hey you should <laughs> shuffle these cards. And I'm sure, like everybody else, has, uh, has probably done that. But yeah, so so we went from 1930. Now we went to mm -hmm. the 1800s. All right, what's next on the docket? We have poker chips, lots and lots of poker chips. Your Gearlock poker chips, your Deluxe Health poker chips, all the baddies and tyrants that you're going to fight, also poker chips. Um, they have these beautifully weighted and magnetized if you're playing Burn Cycle. Are all of them magnetized, David? I don't know this. I actually don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that's coming in the future. But um, I think the Hoplomachus ones are because some people have made um, little like, you know, the, oh, what do you call those things? The, um, oh, why is it forgetting? Yes. The tactics chips. The tactics chips that go over them. Well, the issue is that they like, they the tactics chips yep. cover up the art and the things of the, mm -hmm. you know, the, whatever it is that you're fighting or you yourself, whatever. Um, and so somebody has made some like magnetic little counters or whatever that okay. you just put on them that have the, the same symbol of the tactics chip. So yeah, I think yep. so. So in the game, you have a handful of different poker chips and I, for one, initially kind of balked at the idea of these chips. I was like, it's all about miniatures, yo. I mean, like, where's the three-dimensional depiction mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. this little creature that I'm playing as? Um, but as you play the game more and understand that 
it's very easy to read the board using the health chips to see who has the most health, who has the least, etc. The value of the poker chips is in its simplicity. Every chip has the same layout. So at a glance, you can see the initiative, the attack, the health, the you know abilities of a given unit that you're either fighting um, you know, or defending against. Um, and I think that's mm-hmm. like the best part about the poker chips in... I'm sorry. No, the best part is clacking them together with the health chips if you have them yes. in your hand. But from right. a gameplay purpose, the amount of information that can be fit on those chips is really helpful to not have to reference like an ancillary card. So we talked about at the beginning of this episode, Lords of Ragnarok. I want to know mm-hmm. what this monster does that's standing in the middle of my three armies. I have to then go look at a card that's set aside on the other end of the table and I have to pick it up. Right. I have to read it. I have to decide, all right, what do these abilities mean? Everything like that. Obviously, there's a big rules uh, kind of undertaking you have to do where you're learning all the different keywords. Um, But once you know the system, looking at the chip gives you all of the information you need to know about that specific unit. And it's nice that it's all centered. It also helps keep the board not very cluttered and helps Mm -hmm. it keep uniform so that the board can be simplistic, but still have good mechanisms around it as you're moving things around. So um, the chips are a main feature. Uh, obviously chip theory game so poker games, chips are yeah. in kind of all of their different games um, and i really enjoy how they use it to both be uh, functional within the game but um, from just a, a tactile perspective they're just really satisfying to play with um, and to play around with to be honest yeah and i like and i'm curious i would love to know from you know from the designers um maybe like what their inspiration was to, I mean, because like Hoplomachus was their first game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, you can read some forums and you just hear them talk about like making the game, you know, and designing everything from the garage and, you know, just trying to like right. get this game out and putting it on Kickstarter. So, but I'm curious like where they got the inspiration from. You know, my immediate thought was like something like Mage Knight, which did you ever get a chance to play? I played Mage Knight? Uh, an amalgamation of a game. I didn't really play a full game. But I did get to play at least. Okay, once. but like you know what it looks like, mm-hmm. and you have an idea. Yeah, and so like to me, all of the monsters and like all of the enemies that you fight in Mage Knight are on just like little chips mm-hmm. or whatever, like little just round uh, tokens, and all the information is right there, so you don't have to worry about. It. And so like while yes, like maybe some minis would be cool. Uh, I I personally, I'm not. Like I will take the chips over the minis, and I know for some people that's like blasphemy. Oh, yeah. But in in all sincerity, it is I personally to me a better component than just like gray plastic. Um, and I mean that's oh, just yeah. I guess I that's agree. just my opinion. But yeah, and if uh, for those who are wondering, uh, by the mid to late eighteen hundreds, pieces of gold transitioned to more of what we know today with chips made of wood, ivory, bone, paper, and clay composition with hundreds of designs, and that is as in like what people were using to gamble mm-hmm. and like wager and stuff. And so you can look there. Uh, obviously, history of gambling goes far back. I was going to say, I, uh, to us there as, are some records of dice as early as like 2300 BC of like... Oh, yeah. Well, then let's just go ahead and move into the next component. So you, oh, so oh my gosh. I, ste- I stepped we ahead, talk- David. I was I was trying to do my research. Oh, that's okay. I was I was still talking. I was just talking right, about we're chips. Ba- but back yeah, to so chips. we talked about... Back pretty, no, no, no. We're, we're John, we're done with chips. Oh, no. I'm sick of I'm chips. I'm sorry. I've done this too. <laughs> We're uh, neoprene, poker chips, PVC cards, baby. And now we're talking about dice. the dice. So tell us about, uh, tell yeah, us so about the dice. Dice are the, the best part about Too Many Bones. Everyone knows. You get to roll dice every turn when you're doing combat. You have some encounters that even tell you to flick dice around 
to try to get them in between yeah. stacks of chips. All your characters' abilities also on dice. Um, so they have these beautiful and and remind me it's heat transferred. Is that how it, the okay? So heat transferred dice. Yes, correct. So they there's no, um, they're all flat on each side, which is nice. There's no like pips. There's, there's no, no like stickers, stickers or anything so, on them. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of wear on them when you you know play with them after a while. But overall, the dice are um, beautiful. They're all each okay. Small detail that I love. Each gear lock has a specific color. Their chip is that color. All their dice is that color. I think that brings a lot of fun personality. So I decided yes. that one of my favorite gear locks was going to be Tink. Why is it Tink? Because his dice are orange, and orange is my favorite color. So, you know, there's just there's so many dice in Too Many Bones, um, and that's part of the name as well, right? Too Many Bones. We talked about this in our first episode. Um, what are bones, right? That's kind of the right. key, unique mechanism in the game is this whole bones mechanic. Um, but yeah. As for your history of dice, David, um, perhaps the oldest known dice were excavated as part of a backgammon-like game set at the Burnt City, an archaeological site in southeastern Iran. Estimated to be between 28,000 and 25, sorry, 2800 and 2500 BC. Bone dice from Scarabray, Scotland have been dated 3100 BC. So dice have been around for quite a long time. Man, just to think, they they quite literally oh. could have been playing too many bones back then, because there's a some bone. As a, as, here's a proposal for chip theory games. When are we going to see some bone dice, like some actual? Is that, isn't that illegal? Well, that might be unethical. Yeah, that might be unethical. Well, maybe you can like manufacture, like maybe get some fake bones okay. and then make some bone dice out of that. I don't know, but maybe there's somewhere along the way they can uh, do something like that for too many bones yeah i think the dice are great and i think actually you made up like a very good point the the fact that like each gear lock has its own color yep. each tyrant also has its own um color scheme and so i think that's that makes it a lot of fun and it's precisely why like you said so for me um i immediately gravitated towards okay um duster uh, even though like duster isn't like the best gear lock but i just i like the i like the pink um with Mm-hmm. with her and uh, that i think that color is really great did you have like a a least favorite uh mm. not color but like a least favorite gear lock and like they're like they're the like the pictures on their on their dice maybe you don't have a least favorite but some of the some of like the pictures on the dice because you know they're all custom dice yeah and they all have custom faces mm-hmm. and so some of them have some like a very interesting um i guess like pictures on them and uh, I don't have any in front of me, so I'm just trying to think. I, Sorry to call you out. No, there, you're right? good. Right I think the, uh, the Lab Rats ones are kind of funky. Um, they've got like four different colors for them, and they got some fun like marbling on some of them. Um, the names yeah. of their abilities are the greatest thing ever. Um, some of them are just too funny. Um, so I don't want to say I have like a least favorite. Um, I honestly, ironically, don't love uh, Duster's color. It's like that fuchsia. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so yeah, maybe right. that wouldn't be my favorite, but um, they're all great. They've all got personality. Tantrums are just kind of bland. You know, he's got that gray kind yeah. of bland dice, yeah. but um, they're all pretty fun. It is mm-hmm. quite a feat, though, if you think yeah, how, many, how many gear locks there are. Each one of them has a unique face with unique art, um, you know, unique colors. It's it's pretty substantial undertaking. Um, to get all the different designs for both the art on the dice and the chips and the cards and the neoprene mats and everything and have it all kind of work together and feel congruent. 
And what's crazy is like that they came out with the trove chest like forever ago, and like still they just like mm. well in advance. We're like, we know where we're taking this. And people are like, oh, there's so much space yep. left. Like, like relax, hold on, we'll get there yep. eventually. So, uh, so those are some of the component breakdowns that we have. And like I guess like the last little breakdown um, that is like a quite literal physical breakdown of the game. But now transporting yourself into the world of the game we wanted to give you guys just kind of some definitions that you're going to encounter as you go along into the too many bones world so the first one is going to be a gear lock so what is what is a gear lock a gear lock honestly is this uh it's just like a it's it's a very weird kind of like are they short? I they don't make know. Me are think they of small? Like gnomes I, or goblins almost? Like yeah, they've got they're like big a, ears and kind of wiry frames, and they seem to be small. I I don't know. They're a creature, that's for sure. Yeah, it it is. Uh, if if you ever look, and what's interesting is like for some people, they've mentioned that. Um, like the I guess the original art mm-hmm. for Too Many Bones was like kind of uh kind of a turnoff and i'm not gonna <laughs> lie for me it was like a kind of like a little bit at first but then like i just yeah. i got used to it um but they they're very i don't know i guess like detail the art has certainly gotten better over the oh, years yeah. um for for too many bones but yeah so gearlock is just like it is a it's just in this world of day mm-hmm. lore they are heroes most of the time uh, who like band together and they all have a special set of skills that they bring to the mm-hmm. table as they go out and as they adventure and they um, overcome different uh, baddies and overcome tyrants who seek to co- to corrupt all mm-hmm. of Obendar. Absolutely. So you mentioned two more things that I'll hit on quickly and, and we've talked about them a handful of times, but baddies and tyrants, right? So throughout your adventures in Daylor, you're going to be coming against a variety of different creatures or animals, or dragons, or whatever they might be, um, they're called baddies. So these are the main day-to-day enemies in the game. So whenever you do an encounter, you'll create something called the baddie queue, which is a certain number of points that you then pull from various stacks of baddie poker chips, as we mentioned, um, to fight throughout the combat. So your baddies are very simply just the enemies you're going to fight in a game of too many bones day to day, they're the people kind of roving the lands, maybe not the smartest uh, of folk, but um, they're kind of out there causing trouble, um, typically working for some kind of tyrant. So the tyrants are kind of like the big villains in too many bones. So each game will come with a handful of different tyrants. And there's actually some good kind of story elements. If you read in any of the like, kind of log books that they have, where you can learn a little bit more about uh-huh. each different tyrant um, and the different adventures that you can go on. Um, but a tyrant is going to have a little bit more influence over how your game plays. Um, they'll have different encounters. They might even have special uh, kind of baddies that they get to use. Um, every tyrant has a certain, uh, you know, different baddie types you bring into the game with you. So um, if you're fighting Drellin, be prepared for a lot of poison type baddies, right? Or if you're fighting uh, Mole Mesh, you have a lot of beast type baddies. So they add theme through kind of the different baddies you add to your game when you're fighting the different tyrants. But your baddies are the kind of day-to-day kind of regular chaff enemy units you would fight. Um, some of them can get pretty scary. But your tyrants are your big villains. The kind of culmination of your adventure um, is defeating your enemy tyrant. So, yeah, the tyrants. I think 
um, are almost just as much as the gear locks bring a lot of personality to the game and, and knowing, you know, the types of baddies that they are going to, you know, put in your adventure just because, you know, like, all right, I'm going to be mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of poison this game or I'm going to be dealing with a lot of like lashback or a lot of just like weird flight me- mechanisms. Um, and the those are like, yeah, the, gear, the gear, that's pretty much encounter encounter. It is gear lock, baddie, mm-hmm. tyrant, more or less what you're going to be um, looking at on your um, throughout your your gameplay, uh, John, do you have um, do you have a favorite tyrant oh, that you've played I in so far? Really have enjoyed my plays of Barnacle, and that may be because he was the very yeah. first tyrant that I played, and there was just something about the idea of him having all these tentacles on the side of the boat or the raft that were attacking me and moving around. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed my plays against him. Um, and then honestly, if I had to pick like a second favorite and this might be more situational, but, uh, the automaton of shale, I just had a blast nice. playing against that whole encounter. Um, it was a really good time and mm-hmm. it was probably more of a product of the environment. Um, but his mechanisms were very cool with the different kind of, uh, f- modes he would be in that would affect how the a uh, different battle round would go. So um, those might be two, but what about you? Yeah, I really liked, um, I I quite like okay. Momish quite a bit. Um, I just think like he's a good good one to like introduce people to. And so that one's the one that I think I've, he's had, had most experience with. Um, and then uh, I Gendrix, Ugh, just because he's, he's so brutal. challenging. I've yet to, yeah, I've yet to I beat him. I have not either. I've just every it's, single it's time. Putting Hardy on that orb that he's got a flung. tyrant is just a brutal way to go, especially if you're playing true solo and you don't have multiple turns to get yeah um, attacks on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really enjoy enjoy those. We'll uh, one day give like our breakdown of like our favorite, uh, maybe like a oh our yeah. top gear locks and our top tyrants, and you know we'll start. Do you have uh, a least favorite that sort of thing. So that's my other. A le- yeah, I mean, just like I want that's just like annoying every time um, that I that I see. I think right now, uh, from it's probably actually from the uh, okay from Undertow, and it people might not like this, but it's the Krellin. I'm just Ooh. not a big fan of like the fish, like the fish baddies. Like I don't know, I like what they do and like how they're hopping around from one side of the raft to the other. Like that's cool. Um, I just think like to me, they're more annoying than they are. Uh, and I guess maybe that's what they should be. They should just be kind of be like a minor cause they're not like anything crazy. Like they're not super powerful or anything like that. Uh, they are just like a three point baddie at the end of the day. Um, but I just like, I find them more annoying. Like when you're fighting sure. the real stuff on the raft and then like these like little fish that are like biting at your ankles. Yeah. So I probably, my least favorite would be like the Krellin. I- I've got like a Krellin. specific baddie that I just hate and it is the goblin alarmist. Oh, okay. Go ahead. With signal three. And this Ooh. is the guy that brings oh, in gosh. one point baddies first three rounds. If you don't kill him and he goes yeah. at six initiative and he's arranged, oh, it's just a pain in the rear. But there are, um, not to dive too deep, right? There's a mechanism in the game that lets you scout so you can look at the top baddie stack and decide if you want to yeah. put that one to the bottom or to the top. And David, there are so many moments where I flip that one over and I'm like, oh, I do not want to deal with this guy. Send it to the bottom. And the next one you flip over, during your encounter is like even worse. <laughs> and these these baddies can be real mean, but it's yeah. the variety 
and the different challenge that it presents kind of every game that keeps me coming back to play. So um, I really love how they designed the system and all the tyrants to have different kind of um, almost imagine it like a different deck or a different kind of set yeah. of things that you, you have to face. Um, and they add a lot of variety to the game by doing that. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. And uh, maybe that could, that should also be a future episode, like our just our favorite, um, I guess, batty oh, yeah. abilities or whatever. Uh, and just like the ones that we just every time, like when you flip it and you just go, oh, yep. gosh, oh, no. Mm-hmm. And uh, so maybe we'll do a, 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 a top uh, sigh of not relief, but like a sigh of burden. Oh, yeah. Uh, whenever you whenever you see that stuff. So. Uh, yeah, John, anything else you want to talk about as far as our component breakdown is concerned? I don't think so. I think anybody who has played or handled too many bones knows the quality of it. But if I could just stress it again, um, there's obviously a lot here. And we talked about this in our last episode about how expensive it can be to get into the game. But uh, hopefully we've shared just a little bit about how high quality this game is, both in content and in production value. Um, really love just the tactile experience you get while playing in addition to kind of the strategic brain puzzle it is. So um, can't say enough about yep. it. Yeah, great product, great stuff. Keep it, well, I can't say keep it coming <laughs> Chip Theory Games because too many bones technically is, done. is for the most part done. Um, but whatever else you got coming, we're happy to put our, our money to and our hands on because it all just like, it looks great and it feels mm-hmm. great. Uh, with that being said, uh, John, if somebody wants to write to us and talk to us about too many bones and their favorite component maybe you guys can write it to us uh where can they reach they us can reach us via our email at not enough bones at gmail.com that's right make sure you follow us on twitter as well as on instagram we're both on there at not enough bones and not enough bones pod uh, so be sure to give us a follow as we'll start putting up some more content there for you guys to follow along All right. Well, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Really hope you enjoyed our component breakdown. Join us again uh, in two weeks as we, again, come back and talk about Too Many Bones. We'll see what uh, that episode brings. But thank you all for listening. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there's never... Yeah, go ahead. There's never enough bones, John. Never enough bones. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. I'm David. John. Have a good night. Peace. Peace.